if you're uh, visiting or, or if, and you would like a uh, copy of, of our lesson today, you can raise your hand and one of the men back there will bring you a copy of it. It's the last week of Jesus' life, and we're, at, we're at about, well, not about, we're at Thursday night. Um, the, the, um, the institution of the Lord's Supper has just taken place, and Jesus has, has had an after-dinner conversation with his apostles. And we can read that in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And then now we're at around John 18. So, but before we get going, um, we'll have a, a short word of prayer. And since there's no microphone now and you can hear me, I'll just do that. We normally call on somebody else, but I'll, I'll do that this morning. <clears throat> Dear God in heaven, uh, thank you so much uh, for a night's rest. And thank you that we can assemble and worship you and study from your word this morning, the first day of the week and especially to remember your son's death on the cross. Be with us this morning as we study from your word. We pray that we'll grow to be uh, better Bible students, and we pray that we'll always have that attitude of wanting to do better and be better, and we thank you for the church here, and we pray you'll be with us during these very difficult times of of COVID and all the difficult decisions that have to be made around the country in different churches. And, and we pray that you'll be with us and yet you'll keep us uh, safe if it be your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll look at uh, some of the questions then on, uh, of, of, for chapter 8. And you can just kind of yell them out if you would. Uh, what bad news did Jesus give the apostles once Judas headed out into the night? Well, where was Judas going, by the way? Say again. Okay. He was going to lead him to Jesus, going to get his payout, and uh, he was going to betray the Lord. And uh, after he left with, with the 11 others apostles, that's when they had their conversation. So uh, um, wh what, what bad news did, did Jesus give, give his apostles? I'm getting ready to what? Be well, I'm getting ready to be betrayed, for sure. Uh, somebody, they're, they're, he's getting ready to leave. Leave where? Leave the upper room? <laughs> He's, he's, he has less than 24 hours left uh, as a man on the earth. He's fully man, fully God. And he'll be resurrected and he'll be on the earth for 40 more days, showing himself, uh, talking to his apostles and that, that kind of thing. But So it, does he have a heavy mind right now? Yes, he does. He really does, and we'll see that um, We'll see that even more. So, we, and, but what some of the apostles say, you know, they'd probably be about like us. Duh, where are you going, Lord? <laughs> I've been with you three years, and you don't get it yet, some of you. And then what Peter say? I'm going with you. And remember, he, Jesus said, 
are you willing to be baptized with the baptism I'm getting ready to be baptized with? And he said, yes, I am. And, and, and the Lord said, oh, you all will. They, he, he prophesied, you all are going to die of some violent deaths too, but not yet. Uh, and then uh, Thomas, you remember in John 14 where Jesus said, my house are many mansions. We talked about that some Wednesday night. I go to prepare a place for you. What did Thomas say? And, and Jesus said, and you know the way. Thomas says, we don't know the way. Uh, where, where are you going and we don't know the way? What did Jesus' good reply? He said what? He said, I'm the way. I'm the way. Uh, and then there were a couple others that had some questions. So, uh, and they, they were saddened by this. You know, Jesus said, I'm going away. I'm going to be betrayed. I've got a heavy heart here. Um, we're going to go into the garden. And um, uh, it became so, um, he carried such a heavy burden. What kind of uh, sweat did he eventually start sweating with? You know, we've all heard those lessons. Maybe it was capillaries or whatever. Uh, I took a biology class in college. That's about it for me. Um, that the capillaries burst and literally there, there was blood coming out. He was under such intenseness. Um, so it was, it was heavy. It was heavy duty. Uh, you know, Lance talked about that a, couple, a few weeks back, didn't you, in your lesson about uh, some of the medical things. I think it was you. It might have been somebody else. You're looking funny, Lance. I guess you didn't. Um, <laughs> but we, pardon? I, I was talking about. That's right. You were talking about uh, fi the physics of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was close. <laughs> Going to head out into the night. Um, he, he, he had a heavy, heavy, heavy uh, burden on his shoulders. How did Jesus prepare his disciples for what was about to happen? Lance. And can you imagine, and we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I'll take that. Can you imagine denying the Lord and him turn and look at you? Can you imagine the, the look on his face? And you, can you imagine Peter's response? Well, we know his response, but that look. When you were, when you were kids, did your dad or mother ever have a look? Still do. <laughs> Still do. Well, I guess that's true. Uh, my kids always said I had that look. We, we were not yellers and screamers. We, we, we got their attention early. We never had to lay a glove on them after that. But um, both of them will tell you that I had a look about me. I didn't know I had a look. But, um, and I think I carried that over into my classroom cycle. My, my students used to say, you've got that look, and you kind of scare us. Well, Jesus had that look. I don't think it was to scare Peter. It was more of a, I suspect, a compassionate thing, just like what we heard this morning um, from Chris Woodall, which really did a good job. And he's right about that. And when I ask people who have never preached before, do you want to preach, and they hesitate, you're in. Uh, you're in. <laughs> and Tom Moran turned around and said, uh, so I'm not the only one that you would treat that way. I said, no, no, you're, you're in the club. You're going to preach if you, if you even hesitate. Um, so Jesus gave him that look, and I can't imagine him looking at us. Um, have you ever, I suspect in our lives, 
we, Jesus knows everything that he's given us that look I, I have in my life where you got a guilty, you've done something, and, and you just know that Jesus has given you that look. And, uh, and it get, brings you to, a, godly sorrow brings you to what? Repentance. Judas repented. He was sorry, but, it, but what, what was his reaction? He hung himself. That's that worldly look. Uh, Peter also repented. But, but what, what's the difference? The godly sorrow. The godly sorrow. That's the difference. Judas could have repented. I mean, could have uh, been serious about it and repented. The Lord would have even forgiven him, wouldn't he? Do you think you believe that? He would have. He absolutely would have. Um, but but he, didn't, he didn't do that. Why did Jesus go to Gethsemane? Question number three. Why did Jesus go to Gethsemane? To pray. Had they ever been there before? Many times. We talked about the, the calmness and the peaceful nature of Gethsemane, about three-quarters of a mile out of Jerusalem at the foot of the Mount of Olives, uh, where the Romans during 70 A.D. were actually encamped and, and all of that. Did that on Wednesday night, so we won't go into that again. But, you know, gardens are calming. They're peaceful. The sounds are peaceful. A lot of times you can hear running water. Uh, there's trees. Uh, and so Jesus went there many times with his apostles, his disciples, to, to calm everything down and to get closer to his Father. And that's what he was going to do this time. Um, so they all went. They all went. And then he took... Who did he take out a little further? His, his, I'd call it his inner circle. Who was that? Peter, James, and John. The others were still there. Um, number four. Well, I answered it. Which three apostles did Jesus take with him, and what instructions did he give him? So we got the Peter, James, and John. Well, how did he instruct them? What, you do what? You stay here, and you watch for me. I'm going to go up a little ways and pray. Almost, what's the implication there if you were the Peter, James, and John? Why don't you pray too? You know, why don't you pray? We've been here many times, all of us praying. And I'm going to go a little further up here and get just one-on-one with, with God, my Father. And you all watch. Jesus didn't need anybody to watch. You think he knew what was going on? He could see the... Things coming down the hill, you know, a mile away or almost a mile away with the torches and the lanterns, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but, you know, when you're, when you're deep in, in thought and deep in um, concern and trouble, who do you want with you usually? Close friends. Close friends. That, that's who you want when the times get rough. And... Your real friends will be with you when times get tough, too, won't they? Jesus knew that. So he took with him Peter, James, and John and went just a little bit, a little bit further. Number five, <clears throat> excuse me, what did Jesus pray to the Father in Gethsemane, and how many times did he do this? Okay, three, three different times. Different prayers. Same prayer. The same prayer. Pardon? Yes, that, that was his request. If, if, if it be your will, 
I'm here to do your will. But if, it, if, if, we can, if you could work this out, I just assume you do that. I, I pray that you'll do that. And God said, no. And, and Lance mentioned this on Wednesday night. I really, I'd forgotten about it, but I really appreciate it. In the book of Hebrews, um, it says that Jesus learned obedience. What? Jesus was God on the earth, but he was also man on the earth. And it said that Jesus himself learned obedience. That's, in, that's an interesting verse. And could, could that be part of this right here? Now, what does that make Jesus? You know, Jesus sits at God's right hand. He's our mediator. He's our advocate. He, he pleads our case, so to speak, to God. How was he able, is he better able, so to speak, to, to plead our case because he was a man on the earth and learned obedience? I think so. Lance, you had a, a comment. Uh, I, I was going to say in John 17, what I see is he prayed for everyone else around him. He did. You do. There are times when Jesus prayed all night. How long are, are our prayers? And how long before you run out of stuff to say? It's not three hours. Uh, but that's a good example that, that he poured his heart out. Um, sometimes when I'm walking, particularly at night by myself, um, I'll think of, uh, I'll pray about just the qualities of God, the words that describe him and his son. And just, you can walk two miles and you're still uh, coming, coming up with words to describe God and his son. So there are ways to, to amplify our prayer life, if you will, when we think about those kinds of things. But there's a lot, is there a lot to pray for right now? Oh, my. That 2020 is going to look good through the rearview mirror. And soon, I hope 2021 is better. But, uh, Mike, you had, a, you had a comment. That's a real good point, in case you couldn't hear that back there. Uh, Mike was saying that, um, that when Jesus had his best friends there with him and he needed comfort, that God sent an angel to comfort him. Um, do you think friends are a blessing from God? They really are. Now, he may not send us an angel, at least that we know of, but we have friends, and we have our brothers and sisters in the church, and they can be very comforting. And a lot of times, we just need comfort. We don't need, I told you so's. Have you, have you ever been there before? 
Well, you know, if you hadn't have done that, you wouldn't have all this trouble. That may be true. That could be true, but I don't need to hear that right now. Uh, if he, has anybody been there before? For sure. That's really good. Um, she said, we, we generally know it. I don't need you to tell me how that I messed up back there. I know I did. Um, friends don't do that. Uh, Don, you had a you had a comment. Yeah, since you all broached the subject anyway, when you when you look at as he's getting ready to leave the Galilean ministry, come back down to Judea, he's up north of Caesarea Philippi on the mountain, and he takes James, you know, the, the same group here. James right, John, right. Him up there, and they're supposed to be watching what's going on. They fall asleep, but who the who who appeared to him up there? help him with his next seven months right. to get ready for this point. You know, there's, there's two No, no, that, that's a good point. Don said, now, you know, this happened on the Mount of Transfiguration too, didn't it? And when God sent Moses and, and Elijah. So that, yeah, that example right there tells us when, when we're dead, we're, we're not dead all over. We're not, we're not in some fog somewhere. Moses and Elijah didn't get the message if that's the case. Because <laughs> God used them. And they've been long dead. They've been long dead. Uh, number six, uh, and I'll take a few comments along, but I, I need to kind of keep moving a little bit. I'll come back. What did, number six, what did Jesus <clears throat> find the disciples doing each time he returned to them, and what can we learn from that? Uh, that that's important, I think. What were they doing? They were sleeping, sleeping out of indifference. Is that true? No. Sleeping from sorrow sleeping from sorrow. They, they, they were tired, and, and they were beginning to get Jesus' message. I'm about to leave here. And, and they're beginning to understand that, and they were sorrowful for that. Can you, can you imagine what they, they have seen for three years? Amazing things. You go to John 20, Jesus did many other things that aren't written in this book, but these are written Why? that we can believe. And then you go to the end of that chapter and it says, I suppose that if uh, the world couldn't contain the amount of books that could be written about Jesus during that three years. So we can only, can't even imagine what went on during that three years. So these, and they were about to lose him. Now he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. What am I going to do? What will I do for you? Jesus talking. I'm going to send the comfort of the Holy Spirit and he'll bring all these things back to your mind. He will. Um, number seven, who did Judas bring with him to Jesus in Gethsemane? Why did he do that? Who did he bring? Soldiers. How are they? Do they come out with a feather? They, swords, clubs. 
And Jesus said, almost tongue-in-cheek, I taught with, I was in the temple every day. What are you coming out with these clubs and swords for? You could have taken me any time. Um, and no doubt when they were watching, because you could see they're, they're down here at the Garden of Gethsemane. Jerusalem's 2,500 feet up here, and the road kind of winds down. It'd take them a good 20 to 30 minutes for that mob to get to Jesus. And can you imagine seeing all of that coming down with their lanterns and their, their torches and no doubt a loud bunch. You know how mobs are. We see that on TV today, these criminals uh, that are burning things down. Uh, th that's what they're seeing coming down the mountain. And the tension's ratcheting up. In fact, we see, what did Peter do? And, and as Sean said, he wasn't aiming for his uh, ear. He was aiming to cut his, cut his head off. because He was going to defend the Lord. And Jesus said, put your, put your sword up. <laughs> I could bring down 72,000 angels right now if I wanted to do that. And Sean talked about that earlier. How did Judas portray the Lord? With a kiss. With a kiss. It's, it's even a term, the Judas kiss, when someone uh, betrays you. So he betrayed him. And, and how did Jesus take that? Remember, what was his first thoughts when Judas walked up? What did he call him? Friend. He said, friend, what, what are you doing? And he called him teacher, remember that, a couple of times, rabbi? And he gave him a kiss. And Sean has mentioned this, and I really believe it's true, based on his reaction. I don't believe he, he thought this was going to go much further. And all the stuff he had seen Jesus do, Jesus can get out of this. And, of course, he could have. I don't believe Judas thought this was going to go as far as it did. And when he saw that it was, he killed himself. Yeah, I, I, I think. It makes sense to me at least. And number nine, last question. How did Jesus respond to Peter's efforts? Well, we already talked a little bit about it, to protect him. And what can we learn about Jesus from this? Particularly the last part. He said, put your sword up. And what can we learn from that? It's a spiritual. It, it's a spiritual. It's a spiritual conflict, isn't it? It's a spiritual war. Because if it's a physical war, he even told uh, Caiaphas later, Pilate, he said, oh, if, if this was about this life, about this world, I, my servants would fight. Oh, yeah, they'd fight. But he said, it's not. It's not. Okay, before we get into nine, and we're just not going to, of course, finish nine today, but any comments, questions, thoughts on chapter 8? <clears throat> He's about to be arrested. They're going to bind him like they would a common criminal and take him to Annas first. We'll talk a little bit about Annas and Caiaphas and all that in a minute. Gary. Jesus says so much about Jesus at this time when he's feeling so, uh, so distressed in a way we can't even Uh, 
It, it is hard to learn, isn't it? Um, and here's Jesus about to be nailed to a cross, <clears throat> who's under tremendous stress, and who is he thinking about? Himself. He's thinking about others. Well, I mean, technically, I guess, but he's thinking about others. He's thinking about others. And there's lots of lessons for us there, isn't there? Uh, it's, it's not all about us. I mean, you've heard people say that before. Well, we're leaving because um, we don't feel like that uh, the, the church is doing anything for us. Heard that recently. It's not about you. There's a newsflash. It's not about you. It's what can you do for the Lord and what can you do for others in this church or in this service, so to speak. You think that's true? I know it's true. Uh, Ryan. I love that one. You, are, you, are you at that verse? John 17, verse 20. This is a wonderful verse. I meant to bring that out. Thank you, Ryan. Read that. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus has prayed for us. Isn't that a wonderful thought? He prayed for his apostles, yes, who were alive 2,000 years ago, yes. But he says, I'm praying for... Stan, I'm praying for Doug. I'm praying uh, for Elliot. I'm praying for all the who are going to come 2,000 years from now. I'm praying for them too, that they'll, they'll hang in there, that they'll love one another like, like I love you. And, and that's a wonderful verse. Jesus has prayed for you and prayed for me. It's awesome. We're still yet to come. And that, that's, that's awesome in itself. It, it, it really is. Um, <clears throat> you remember Jesus said, I am. Remember that one? Well, you're not even 40 years old yet or 50, whatever he said. And, uh, and uh, you're talking about Abraham? He said, before Abraham was, I am. That, that, that's a wonderful thought, too. Um, he's as alive today than he's ever been, and he's... And, 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 and they're not asleep in a rocking chair somewhere, like, like these pictures you see of God, some old man with a beard sleeping in a rocking chair. Oh, he's here, and he's active. And all those myriads of hundreds of thousands of angels, they're not playing pinochle. How are they active? I don't know that. But they're active. You can see that First 1 Kings 22. Uh, Lance. Right. In the garden, there was work to do. Outside the garden, there was work to do. In heaven, I expect, my opinion is, there's going to be work to do, but it'll be wonderful work. Yeah. It won't be the cares of this world. Right. 
And also in the book of Revelation, we see where the church of the, uh, the angel of the church at Sardis, the angel of the church at, at Laodicea. Uh, how's all that work? I don't know, but I suspect they have assignments <laughs> and they take care of God's business. And, and also at the end, what, what, how's the end going to do? He said, I'm going to send out angels to the four corners of the earth, and what are they going to do? They're going to gather in the elect. They're going to gather in the faithful Christians at the end. That's you and me, Lord willing, hopefully, prayerfully. So they're busy. Absolutely. Good points. I know some of this, we're getting out a little bit on the, on the limb, but uh, the implications are pretty strong with, it, with this, uh, scripturally. Oh, anything else before we go on to nine? Okay. I want to just give credit where credit's due. <clears throat> Doug did the biology and Lance did the physics. I got a C in physics in college and was glad to get it. That's how dumb I was. <laughs> Number nine, uh, lesson nine. They're arrested. Jesus is tied up by all these guys with swords and clubs and and all of that, and they're, now they're taking him, he's down to, at the bottom of the guest him. Now he's got to walk up this half a mile, this three-quarters of a mile, with this mob, and they take him to Annas. Now it's at night. Can you have a trial under the Jewish law at night? No. You cannot. That, their law says you cannot. How many did they have at night? They had two. Illegal. That's just the start of the illegalities. That's just the start. So they bring him to Annas. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> who is Annas? We don't know much, but yeah, he was Caiaphas' father-in-law. So they come to Annas first. Don't stay there too long, evidently. And I, I was reading, you know, they call Annas the high priest. And they call Caiaphas the high priest. Now, wait. You can only have one high priest. And I don't know what your study and research has done, but what I was able to to come up with is several have said that Annas was over the Sanhedrin. He was, we'll call it the president, if you will, president of the Sanhedrin. Could be. That could be. Uh, a historian seemed to think that was the case. And Caiaphas was the high priest, the legitimate high priest. Did anybody find out anything else other than that? Okay, uh, uh, Ryan. My understanding is that the Romans put one in place and the Jews had another one. I, I read that as well, that one was more Roman-related and one was more the Jewish religion-related. That could be. Sean just taught that. Yeah. He did. Yeah. You've got to go back to the Hasmoneans and bring it forward. It's the Has who? With, with Herod the Great's father. Hasmoneans. So you've got the official one in line with Aaron, 
you've got the one to whom Rome would give the okay. ephod to officiate. Which, which is what Ryan was saying and what Sean had said and which, what Gary was saying. And, and that, I, I, don't, I don't deny that. I, I just um, I read that where he, uh, Annas, was over the, uh, uh, in charge of the Sanhedrin, which you could still do that and still do what, what would be the Romans. Well, we don't have a lot of time, Don, but go ahead. When you look at who, when the trials take place, and later on when Paul is, is involved there, it's Caiaphas who seems to be in charge of the Sanhedrin, or at least in, in charge of the assembly. Okay. Um, <clears throat> go back, if you would, to because I want to get this before we close, uh, for your study when, when Sean gets back. Go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Um, now this is, this is a while before where, where we are now, but I want us to read something here about Caiaphas. Uh, ha, has the Lord ever spoken through people that he, weren't, he wasn't necessarily on speaking terms with right now or, or didn't? Yeah, I mean, donkeys have talked. Because God said, donkey, you're going to talk. Uh, he's had, he's had uh, prophets in the Old Testament who he didn't, was not following him that he used. Look at Caiaphas here. I find this interesting because he repeats this in, in John 18 a little bit, or, or the Holy Spirit does. Look at this. Um, John 11 and verse 49. Uh, there was a plot to kill Jesus. Remember all that? And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Nor do you consider that it is expedient or necessary for us that one man should die for the people, and not that the whole nation should perish. Now notice in verse 51. Now this he did not say on his own authority. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Now this is that same Caiaphas who when we get over to chapter 18, um, or is it 19? No, it was 18, where it says that Oh, I had this written down. Verse 14, is it? Yeah, okay, there it is. Verse 14. Yeah, thank you. Now, it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient or necessary uh, for one man who should die for the people. Now, where did that come from? It came from John 11. So that's Caiaphas. So the Lord told him in 11, you know, he was a high priest, so he prophesied. He prophesied what the Lord was telling him to say. And, and now he's turned right around here and disagreeing with that, basically, because we're going to kill this man. But he just said that a man had to die, according to the scriptures. Uh, so do you see that point where I think Caiaphas was inspired in, in chapter 11 by God to prophesy things that maybe he didn't necessarily agree with or understand? Because when you get over into 18, he didn't understand it. Because he said, let's kill him. Do you, do you see that point? I, I, 
I don't know if I'd ever seen that before or not or, or made the connection there myself. Maybe you haven't either. But John 11, verse 14, tie that into uh, John 18 and verse, uh, verse 14. I might have gotten that backwards. But anyway, John 11 and verse 50, I'm sorry. John 11 and verse 50, put, with a little pencil put out to the side there, under John 18 and verse 14, John 11 and verse 50, those go hand in hand. It, that, that's a big deal, actually, the, the, those two verses. It's a big deal. So I want to make sure we got that in before the, has, has the bell, first bell rung yet? Okay, good. Uh, <clears throat> so they, they take him to Annas. It's at night. It's illegal. They don't have trials at night. So then they send him to Caiaphas, which we just read about, who's the high priest, who, as, as Don had mentioned, has that symbol of authority, the ephod, and, and, and I suspect that's right. And how did that go? What was, what, was, what was Caiaphas trying to do to Jesus? Was he, I'm sorry? Well, you're going to get him killed, all right. Ah. He's trying to get him to blaspheme. He's trying to trick Jesus. How's that going to work? You're not going to trick Jesus. Yeah, he said, come on. Yeah, yeah really? Really? Is, is that all you got? Uh, yeah. He answers Caiaphas, and what does he get in return? A slap. A slap in the face. And Jesus, I, I love his answer. He said, if I've spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? You have no reason to strike me. He said, if I'm, if I'm not telling the truth, fine. Convict me of that. But if, if I'm telling the truth, you shouldn't be striking me. Number one, this is illegal anyway, this whole proceeding here. So Annas had enough of that, so he sent him, sent, him, sent him to Caiaphas. Now, we got the Peter story. Somebody real quickly tell me how, how that's going to go. What's going <laughs> All right, thanks for coming. <laughs> it's going to go bad. <laughs> <laughs> you're a person of a few words it's, go, it's not going to go well uh, Peter you know you know Peter um, they may all uh, desert you Lord but not me I'm ready to die right now and boy what did the Lord say to that oh you, you, you're going to you're going to die with me now 
Really? Lance would say, really? Before this night's over, uh, you will have died, denied me three times. And you could almost see people, no, not me, Lord. Well, yeah, Gary. Uh, it, it's almost amazing, uh, I guess, the, when you, you're fearful of your life, you, you'll say or do almost anything, I guess. Um, <clears throat> so one of the, it's interesting that one of the relatives of Malchus, who Peter had cut his ear off, aiming for his head, I have no doubt, and they see Peter. So this relative was there, had to be, because he said, I saw you in the garden there. Here's an eyewitness. I just cut off the, the, your, your uncle's ear or cousin, whatever. You saw me, and I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. And then it happened again, another servant girl. Um, John evidently had connections that he could get them inside the courtyard there. And they had a fire going, so he could, it was cold, it was wintertime. And, and then the third time somebody said, your speech betrays you. What, is that? what do you think that means? Your speech betrays you. He, he's in a school right now. He's, he's in an educated area. He's a fisherman. Okay, so uh, what, what might we say? You know, people from the north talk funny. <laughs> um, we, we all have accents, don't we? Gary, for sure. Um, we all have accents. Well, they had accents or dialects too. Um, and they said, you're, you're one of them. As you, as you said, you, you talk like a fisherman, not an educated kind of person. And Peter denied that too. And how did he deny it? Well, they must. He started cursing and swearing. And, and those two words, they're cousins, but they have different meanings. Uh, one is to, uh, you know, I, I swear, and they, as, uh, to call down from heaven, uh, which you don't want to do that. I swear on, that's what he was doing. You don't do that. And then he started cursing. So what does that imply about our language? Keep it pure. Now, a lot of us grew up. Were you in the military or whatever where we didn't always use the best language? And could, 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 could go along with the best of them or the worst of them, maybe is a better way to say it. And now, when you hear these words, you, the hair on the back of your neck comes up and you used to use all of them. I, I used to use all of them. Shameful. But you don't have to add, tell anybody you're a Christian if you curse and swear. They know, they know you're not. They know you're not. I, I just started thinking about this with Peter. He had been so <coughs> adamant. And then the Lord looked at him and said, it's not going to happen. He just 
right? Compare and contrast that with um, in the 90s A.D. when John, you know, the last apostle alive, and they were, were hanging Christians from, from post as, so they could light the Appian Way. They would hang you on a, on a post and then douse you with, uh, in the South they call it coal oil or kerosene, and they light you so you could light the way. Or they throw you into the arena, cut your stomach open, put cattle feed in there and let the cattle eat your, the feed out of your stomach. Can you imagine the courage of those people and compare that even with what the way Peter denied the Lord? Um, will it ever get to that, that again? I don't know. We may have, to, may have to do that one day and just pray we've got the courage to do it. Whether we do, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we won't have to find out. But we're on the road to that, unfortunately. Or at least that's what it appears. Lord's in charge, though. We don't worry about it. Um, was that the second one? Okay, we better stop then. Uh, thank you for your comments. Thank you very much.